there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. So as the Scottish voiceover lady indicated, this is the 1% Better Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's been around three weeks since I launched the first few episodes, and the feedback uh, has been really positive. Over the last few weeks, I've got a number of emails, messages through LinkedIn, Twitter. I've even got a couple of phone calls from withheld numbers and messages, which were both uh, scarily uh, funny and scarily scary. Uh, But keep it coming. It's all good. Uh, I like to hear what people are thinking on the show. At the moment, I'm still going with Monday releases. Obviously open to tweaking that, but uh, so far that seems to be working and maybe doing a reminder on a Friday. And I have some new ideas in the pipeline. Uh, They're in development, and hopefully over the next number of weeks, I'll be able to bring those to some of the upcoming episodes. And finally, I have, over the last uh, week or so, identified a number of new guests that have agreed to come on the show, which is awesome. So all good, lots to look forward to. It's very positive, having great fun, and I hope you are too listening. Okay, on to episode eight. This week, I talk with Pat Rogers. So Pat Rogers is an ultra runner and endurance athlete. And in the podcast, we talk about his many adventures over his career in the world of extreme physical challenges. So this includes talking about rock climbing. It includes his challenge of solo kayaking around the island of Ireland. We talk about him running the Curry Way, which is 120 miles. We talk about the UTMB, which is the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. And for the most part, we dig into a race that Pat just finished in uh, the early part of 2017 called a Spine Race, which is down the Pennines in the UK and is the small matter of 268 miles. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it uh, it took Pat around seven days. He talks about his journey during that, preparing for that, uh, the mental challenges that he may have faced during that also, how he got through it. And overall, I found this chat one of the most relaxed and enjoyable I've done so far. Pat is a lovely guy. He has a great attitude, softly spoken, certainly very steely and determined, as you will hear. Uh, And obviously looking forward into the future for Pat. He has certainly other uh, aspirations and challenges ahead. So, Pat, thank you for taking the time out to tell your story. It was uh, my pleasure to be there with you for that. And I hope everybody enjoys. Thank you. I am here this evening with uh, Pat Rogers. So, Pat, give yourself a little bit of an introduction there. How's it going, Rob? Um, I suppose from point of view of this, uh, I'm a, an ultra runner, um, an endurance athlete, if you want to call it that. Um, not just on running, I'm realising now as well, I, can, I, I do kayaking, I do multi-day adventure races and, and things like that as well okay so the multi the, 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 i suppose the way we got connected through a mutual friend was or, or i was talking to her about the uh the podcast and about looking for athletes yeah, i guess yeah. it was probably something i hadn't even been fully exposed to when she mentioned about your run in the spine race um in the, in the uk down the pennines was it the pennine way yeah uh 268 miles along the, the pennine way right uh, start to finish um in mid-January yeah right and how many, how many years has that been running is that a kind of a new this, thing or this was the sixth year of it right yeah the sixth year of the race now the Pennine Way has been there for 51 years okay uh, but the sixth year of this race so right it's quite young that is definitely something I want to get into detail on yeah. because I think anyone that 
does a 268 mile race probably has a few good uh, things that they can share to other athletes or ultra runners or, or just people in general yeah, so we'll see we'll look i look forward to probing into that but i guess what i'd like to maybe talk about first is just take it back to you know when you were growing up see if that whole endurance running or where all that came from was exercise and fitness something massive in your in your early years growing up so they're always active but it was, it was all more more so the outdoors and not so much fitness but just having fun outside right um so, I mean, I grew up in County Clare in, in Cratlow. We had a forest in the back of the house. So okay. every day after school, we were out in the forest. Right. Um, secondary school then, 13, 14, I started kayaking. Okay. And that took, took over everything. That Kayaking is still one of the, 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 the big loves of my life. Right. Um, were you competitive did, in those years in, in any sports or...? I, I can safely say I've never been competitive. Okay. From the point of view of, um, you know, you, I do cross-country running with school and I'd be battling for second last place. Okay. Every, every week, every race. <laughs> right. So um, um, it was all about, about having fun. Um, right, right. Kayaking especially. Kayaking is not about, in my book at least, uh, river running kayaking mm. is not about... Um, being fit is about, about the skills, right? Being able to manage yourself in the water, all that type of thing. Be able to, to follow a line down a river, hmm. um, rather than you know paddling for miles in a dead straight line. Um, right. um, so it's about having fun more so than than fitness. Okay, interesting. So when you were growing up, was the ultra running or kayaking, or was that kind of something you wanted to pursue? As anything more than a hobby, or was there other interests when you were kind of going to school and plans to take over the world other than that? Well, uh, running kind of stopped almost when I finished school. Right. Um, I did very little up until again took it up uh, three or four years ago. Okay. Um, kayaking all through the school up until leaving cert, I was growing, 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 starting to get qualified uh, proficiency certification and things like that. And then once I first job when I left school was working in an adventure center for the summer right. uh, in Delphi Adventure Center, teaching mm-hmm. kayaking. And there, then I was exposed to rock climbing, hill walking, other adventure sports as well. Um, and in the years that followed, I became pretty well qualified in all the outdoor sports from mountaineering, rock climbing, kayaking, windsurfing, sailing, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, I did work as an instructor for a few years, and an instructor, and also a tour guide, if you like, bring mm. tours so around the place. In your school days, though, like it sounds like with all of this going on, was mm. was school or academia a focus or a distraction for you, or in the early years? I, I mean, I was okay in school. Like like um, so many, I could have done an awful lot better. I was lazy. Mm-hmm. I didn't didn't uh, especially apply myself. Um, I was strong enough with maths, you know, but but did pass level maths, uh, good enough with science type subjects, right? Um, but uh, was wasn't especially strong in school, no. Okay, so you were lucky. Looking forward, to, I suppose, once you finished school, did you have a clear picture of what you wanted to do? I mean, at that stage, as an eighteen year old, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do with my life mm-hmm. because. 
my father was an accountant right. and that was all I was exposed to in, yeah. a, in, a, in a work point of view. Yeah. That's the direction I went in. I, okay. I, I, I did marketing. I studied marketing and languages in Sligo for two years. Right. Then I went to France for a third year over there. Um, uh, in France, in when I was in Sligo, I was doing tourism marketing so I could focus on the outdoor business side of things, adventure mm-hmm. sports. So that was fine. When I went to France... The tourism marketing wasn't available to me, uh, so it was only applied marketing and this kind of stuff. So I when you went to France, that was a language year, kind of one year over there to learn a year the over language. there to learn the language and to develop to follow on from the certificate I got in, in Sligo IT. Yeah. Um, but I had no interest, so I spent most of my time rock climbing over there. Okay, I had a great time rock climbing. Right. Uh, my French became very good much better than most of the other Irish students that were there because they spent their time with other Irish students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent my time with uh, French climbers. So, so I, you had to learn what, what, like, what the dangerous language around uh, climbing rocks and, you, and... Oh, the climbing slang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no f- proper formal French. You know, right, right. So. More conversational yeah, stuff. Proper, you just yeah, get yeah, by yeah, with... Daily, like, daily yeah. French, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's, that stood me very well. Right. Yeah. So you got exposed to... Not only learning the language with the locals, but you kind of managed to combine that with your pursuit of climbing yeah. Yeah, rocks rock climbing. and mountains and stuff like that. Yeah, there was all sport climbing, um, all boated climbing, which you wouldn't have in Ireland. Um, so it was uh, that was what I was in the area. Yeah, uh, and that's what I gravitated towards at the time. I'd done a little bit of rock climbing before that, but not an awful lot. Okay, and you know, in the years. Later on, depending on what I, where I was living or what people I was hanging around with, I might have taken up different sports. Hmm. You know, I might have focused more on mountain biking or right. Do you do you think how you got into this at a young age was purely just by chance of where you were living in the forest and being exposed to that at a time, or is it is it something your have your brothers and sisters that were doing it, or I have three younger sisters. None of them are anyway interested in in adventure sports. Hmm. Um, Certainly, I think growing up with the forest in the background, in 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 out the back garden, was an exposure to the outdoors and nature and all that kind of atmosphere and the environment. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that. Um, I was never into team sports, hurling, football, soccer. You know, zero interest in that. I was mm. useless at it. Uh, but the kayaking at the time was just seemed to be a, a good, fun sport, and, mm. and that's where it went from there. Right. Uh, why, why do you think, if you're looking back, reflecting on it, getting into it, what, was it just something that you were drawn towards the outdoors? Did you like the isolation of it? Was there anything? Um, I mean, there's there's no isolation at that stage because kayaking, in theory, when you're when you're starting off, you're supposed to be always a minimum of three. Right. Um, it was the adventure of it, the exploration, the the danger, the, the danger. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, the, so there's adrenaline junkie yeah, stuff yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, going there. over. At the time, you know, at the time we thought there was, you know, huge rapids. Yeah. Now I'd go down in my sleep. But, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Start somewhere though. Yeah, you know. But, uh, I mean, within a few years, I was going down a river like called the Clare Glens in, in Limerick. You know, vertical drops of three or four metres. Mm. Those kind of things are fun, you know. Mm. And in those years, was there any close calls, near misses, in- injuries, accidents? And um, there were sticks out? Rarely have I had any bad injury 
uh, in adventure sports. Uh, more so, I've had more injuries through running right. than rock climbing or or or, um, or kayaking, anything like that. Uh, okay. Few scary moments, but you know, nothing. Nothing to put you yeah. off it. Well, one once rock climbing in Corsica, I had a nasty fall. Okay. Uh, I was. Uh, Climbing down a gully with a group of friends, we were climbing down down a gully to get to the start of a rock climbing, and hmm. had a, a slip and uh, fell and tumbled and got a fairly battered around the place. But uh, and got a helicopter rescue, oh. which is a bit of fun. Right. Um, but yeah, nothing broken. Just uh, kind of looked like a, a motorbike accident. Okay. You know. <laughs> Not enough to deter you from uh, from doing it. No, it was back. Well, it was back about a week later. Okay. Right, yeah, right. Back long week out. Later. Yeah, yeah. So we got up to the point, I guess, where you were in France, and you were, did you, you come back from France after that year abroad? Then was it? So yeah. So after college in France, I failed my failed my diploma over there. I think I was the only Irish person ever to have failed that course. <laughs> uh, was that just through not going in? Or? Through not going in, through right. having zero interest. Okay. But after, at least I had the outdoors. To go to, I had mm. some qualifications and yeah. uh, some some experience. So I came back to Ireland and got work in uh, Little Killery Adventure Centre, as it was at the, at the time, and uh, worked there for the summer. At the end of that summer, then I got um, kind of like an apprenticeship, working um, for peanuts, uh, but getting all the training paid for. Uh, right. In what is now the UL Activity Center, um, so kayaking um, again, mountaineering, rock climbing, a lot of sailing, windsurfing done there. Mm. Um, even though it's not my, it's not my the, the sports I'd go to first. It's yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what was available, so I got my most of my starts in 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 those sports as well. Mm. It um, sounds mm. like what's becoming very clear, I guess, which a lot of people I've talked to, and even myself, when you're at a younger age, you're not necessarily going after the stuff that you're really passionate about, as in not you now, but me or others, where you're kind of forced to go down the track to do college and mm. in marketing, in accounting, in yeah, IT, yeah. and your passion is not there. It's very much you're focused on what you're passionate about from, from that young age that maybe didn't seem like work, I suppose, then. Would that be fair to say? Initially, yes. Initially, I thought, hey, I can be an instructor. It can be a rock climbing and canoeing every day. It'll be great fun. Yeah, um, yeah. But after a couple of years doing that, uh, I realized that um, all my friends that had maybe gotten proper jobs or engineers or accountants, mm. uh, they had a whole lot more money than me. Right. Um, and during the summertime, they had holidays, so they'd go off to the Alps for the holidays, whereas yeah. I was working, bringing the same kids up the same hill or the on the same lake. Okay. Um, um, so, yeah, it, it's not as... So doing as it glamorous. as a job wasn't as glamorous as just having it as a hobby and as a... No, no, right. it's not. Because it, in some way, it detracts from, you know, okay, on, on our days off, yeah, we still went climbing or kayaking or something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but... It, Kind of just detracted from it, uh, right. from from you know being out all the time. Okay, and as you said, if you saw your friends coming back and taking mm. holidays, and yeah, so so that kind of maybe made you reassess certain things. Then was it over time? Yeah, I mean, later on, I got in as in a serious relationship. 
was getting married and um, knew that, okay, this lifestyle that I had where it's kind of seasonal, right. uh, you know, um, I might not have any work for two, three months over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from went from the outdoors to, to working in a shop in Limerick, an outdoor shop, yeah. River Deep Mountain High in Limerick. Right, right. Worked there for a couple of years and... Um, from there, I suppose I, um, yeah, my my wife at the time and I decided that uh, I needed to get a proper job, so I went to an evening course. Okay. In LIT, did mechanical engineering for three years part time. Right. right, right. Then went back full time for four years. Four four full years after four, that. Four full years. Okay. Back uh, in UL for mechanical engineering, I got a first class honours degree in mechanical engineering. So the second time around, I was more serious about it. Yeah. As, as most, I think a lot of people obviously yeah. are, because how yeah. many times yeah. do you not go down the route? You yeah. don't know what you don't know at the time when you're coming out of college. So many people, you know, have that challenge, like, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you were, was this something you were actually enjoyed doing then, the mechanical engineering? You got a passion out of that? Or? Um, I like to work as an engineer now, and I do enjoy it. Um, Hopefully your employer's don't listen to that. No, yeah, no, they, 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 they're, okay. they can listen, but we'll, we'll focus more on the sports side. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had no idea before I went to LIT at that time what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, going back a little bit, uh, again, I knew I had to get a proper job, as they say. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea what direction to go in. I went to um, a careers guidance kind of people. Yeah. And they did some kind of a assessment or Whatever I won't say an IQ do. test but some kind of test to see where my strengths lay yeah yeah. and uh, one of the things that came up was engineering type things okay other side of it that I remember now was um, um, like the, the caring jobs say nursing or medicine social or like, social yeah, yeah. sciences that kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. which you never know I might get into that in the future you know? yeah yeah um, I'm, yeah, I can see. I can see. I can. I can. I can understand now where that came from. Mm. Um, it's interesting, right? So, like, I know from other people I talked to, and even myself, what I wanted to do when I came out of college was different to what I did do. But now, what I'm kind of get coming round to doing yeah, yeah. is kind of what I wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, then yeah, yeah. It was there. It was like around communications. It was around helping people yeah. to learn and develop. I That's, kind of. That's what you put now. What you say that now about helping people to learn and develop and progress and achieve goals. That's what I really enjoy about what I can do with the ultra running side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'm doing now with, with helping people, you know, volunteering at the race the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a real satisfaction out of it. I get a great kick out of it. Yeah, yeah. We can touch on that later. Yeah, we get into that. But I just think it's, I think ultimately from what I'm learning and a lot of people might kind of know what to do, want to do at that early stage, but block it out or t- shy away from it and eventually you'll get round to it it could take mm. 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years yeah yeah, yeah yeah people yeah. might fight it but mm. as you get there or as you get closer to it it becomes stronger and stronger so I think that's it's a good learning right yeah. so p- people should kind of follow their instincts maybe in some ways mm-hmm. um, so engineering got you got your degree yeah, good few years in student life uh, yeah. again, and yeah. uh, and and during all this time, were you still keeping active? Were you still just doing the the kayaking, or was there any other sports that came into play? Before I suppose I skipped a couple of 
key bits there. Okay. Before I went back to college, before I even worked in the, in the shop in, in, in Limerick, um, I had one, one summer, one of the jobs I had was guiding um, French tourists uh, in walking tours and biking tours. And one company asked me to guide a group paddling down the River Shannon. Okay. Now, to me, that was... You don't know why would anyone want to do that? Because mm-hmm. it's flat, it's boring. I was a whitewater paddler. Right, right. Um, but I said, yeah, I could do it. Um, this this company organized kayaking trips all over the world to you know, the Caribbean and whatever else. And they thought, apparently, that the River Shannon would be a good one. Okay. So, okay, we did it. And in fact, I paddled down with one group. And with the next uh, second group I had, I paddled back upstream because there's so little flow in the River Shannon in the summer right. that you could paddle upstream. Right. But during that, I got thinking more about... Uh, distance kayaking and sea kayaking and um, some of the people that were some of my customers if you like were, were sea paddlers and so I had a notion about um, paddling around Ireland okay um, so as, a, a, as a kind of a, an extreme as challenge a challenge for myself okay as a challenge um, so uh, that was in the summer 96 90, worked for the winter in June the winter I got my gear together uh, bought a kayak. I hadn't. I wasn't a sea paddler at all at the time. Okay. And sea paddling compared to river paddling is is very different. Right. Uh, much different boats. Much different um, skill set. Okay. Uh, an awful lot more about um, uh, judgment and awareness of the tides and the weather and mm-hmm. making good calls. Right. Um. So yeah, during the winter, I I got my bought my boat and all the gear and modified stuff and uh, so summer 97 I set off uh, from West Cork right started off with a friend of mine the guy I, I was quite prepared to do it on my own okay but as it happens the guy I shared a house with the previous winter had paddled three quarters of the way around the previous summer and he wanted to finish it off so I started off where he finished okay paddled from West Cork up to Connemara with, with, with Jimmy and um, from, say, Killery, Killery Harbour from there, mm. around, back around to West Cork, I was on my own most of the time. Jeez, how long did that take? So that was uh, 38 days on the water, I think, about kind of two months, two and a half months. To go the complete circumference yeah. all the way around Ireland? All wow. around, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I didn't actually know that, so that's um, that's something I'd like to just, you know, what, what I suppose, what were the the challenges you faced that, that stick out during that I don't know, you probably um, don't have that long enough to talk through all of them, but I'm sure yeah. there's a few key things that came up. I mean, again, before it, it's the preparation, yeah. getting all the gear together, getting it all in the right order and, and, and you know, testing it all on a few uh, a few paddle runs. Fitness then as well. I was working as a kayaking instructor at the time. Right. So you would have thought that my fitness would have been fine. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was on the water every single day. But uh, the first three or four days with Jimmy, I was in bits. My yeah. hands were sore, my, my shoulders, I was just in bits. But as it happens, after five days paddling, I think we had a bad weather spell. So we had kind of five, six days to recover. Okay. And another you had a break. like Day across. But after a while, my fitness my fitness came to me as we were paddling around. Okay. Uh, so by the... By Connemara, uh, Mayo, I was doing like... 60 kilometers a day 50 60 kilometers a day quite comfortably wow um and was this the first time anyone has ever done no 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 it had been done um 
it's been done quite a few times now. Every year there'd be maybe these days even more, maybe two or three, up to half a dozen people would would, would paddle around every year. Um, it's been done at least ten years before I had done it. Okay. Uh, and thirty eight days is quite slow, very oh. slow now. Right. Um, a friend of mine, Harry Whelan, who I can. I bought my first kayak from Harry. He had bought it to, initially to paddle around Ireland, but he never did. I bought it from him, okay. modified it, and did it myself. But you Harry didn't modify it with a, like a motor on it to help you along no, or anything like no, that. No, no, no. Okay. I, I had to move the bulkhead. Harry, Harry's a, a short arse, okay. so I had to move move it. The bulkhead about six <laughs> right. inches so I could fit into it. Okay. Um, but Harry set the record with a friend of his um, a few years ago now. Um, did it in something twenty four days, wow. and the next year I think uh, Mick O'Mara, uh, in um, Waterford area, Waterford, yeah, and Mick uh, beat beat the record again, paddling around in, in, in on his own solo uh, an incredibly fast time, and again took another day off the record, right, and which is phenomenal, yeah. But some of that is probably down to the weather as well, right? You can't control some of it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, but still, obviously, it's ridiculous to get down from. You know, twenty four or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, like Mick when he went around, didn't have a good year. Didn't have a good summer. Right. Um, uh, I was maybe cautious. I wasn't going out there to set any records. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the type of boat you're in, the guys that both the Harry had and both that Mick had, or is just phenomenal. Right. Uh, really, really fast boat. Okay. Uh, John Hines, who I mentioned to you earlier on as well, yeah. he did it in the same kind of boat, a uh, Rockpool Taran, it's called. Okay. Just incredibly fast boat. Right, right. Cut through um, the water. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you learn about yourself on that kind of big challenge? It's probably one of the, at that stage, the biggest that was, kind of thing you've ever done, I suppose, was it? It was and still remains to one of the biggest things I've ever done and one of the, things, one of the other things I'm most proud of. Yeah. Um, what did you learn from you? Um... You learn that you can, you can people can achieve more than they think they can. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, and and, and have, give give something away. If if you think you might want to do something, just give it a go. Yeah. yeah. Forget about you know um, the fact that you know it's it's expensive or it's time consuming or mm. you've never done anything like this before. Just just give it a lash. Yeah. And that's my approach to an awful lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you get a lot of confidence from doing it. You do. Knowing you can yeah. you can do pretty much what you set your mind to, right? Yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um like I'll come back to the spine as I said, but after the spine mm. uh a long race, like a hundred mile race is, is nothing. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, we'll hold the spine for a second. <laughs> yeah, we'll was do, was yeah. there was there stuff that ever went through your head during those twenty thirty four, six days or whatever to yeah, say, Jesus, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. It's dark different. places and Yeah, I mean um, giving up. Uh I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean um there was days which were miserable, you know, going across uh, Dingle Bay with it was the wind in our face and rain and just a hard, hard slog across Dingle Bay. It wasn't even that long. Right. Um, but I kind of three or four hours out there. That was early on in the trip, so maybe my fitness wasn't wasn't up to it. Right. Um, down along the say the coast of 
Wexford people in Wexford won't appreciate that but I found it very tedious boring, sunny southeast long uh, long long beaches you know flat coastline nothing really to distract you how Whereas, far out from the coast would you have been now from the whole time you would have been in, you could see the coast obviously very clearly all the way around and, most of the time anywhere right. between 10 feet off the shore right. to furthest was 20 miles okay. going across Donegal Bay that was the big day Donegal Bay for anyone circumnavigating Ireland that's the big the big uh, big day out you need ideally good weather because it's 40 miles side and one day into the other oh. and, uh, and you do that during the whole a full day to do that yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had a friend of mine Kieran Kieran Wilson joined me for that day uh, okay. so paddling across the, the Schlievery Cliffs cool. to, up to Manon Beg um, and that was back in the day before you know mobile phones had any kind of signal anywhere <laughs> really yeah uh, we didn't have a VHF radio it was, it was fairly um, there was no GPS tracking of you guys no, at that stage. No, yeah, yeah. Well, a, looking back now, it might have been considered a little bit reckless, but right. we, we had good enough conditions that day. Cool. Yeah. So that was it. You said that was the one when we talked about looking back. You, that one came to your mind. It sounded like there was another. Was there another adventure, another expedition, or anything like that before we um, come back up? Well, there's another. Yeah, I suppose six months later, a couple of friends of mine were heading to South America to climb Aconcagua. So ended up six of us went down to, to South America. Okay. Um, the weather, the conditions that year were bad, bad and in you. So uh, we didn't get to the top. Um, How big is this one now? Aconcagua is, is the highest mountain in South America. Right. Or described as the highest mountain outside the, in the Western Hemisphere, I think it's described. So it's just under 7,000 meters, is it? Right. I think. A little bit bigger Maybe. than Carol. Yeah, no, it's big. Either, so. It's big. <laughs> yeah. um, so we went there. Um, we had great plans to climb the Polish glacier route. Um, but, you know, on the walk, and there's three days to walk into base camp. You have your all your gear on, on mules and things like this. And yeah. So three days to walk in up to about 4,000 metres. Yeah, about, around about 4,000 metres, we'll say. And... Um, on the way in, we were meeting by people coming out, telling us, um, you know, that there's people died up here, and right. you know, and even up at base camp, yeah, there, there's quite a few deaths on the on the mountain that that year. Um, some on the south face, which is more technical, uh, but you know, I met this hardcore Polish guy, a Russian guy, coming down. And he said uh, he met. Um, two guys on the way down and he barred one of these guys' poles. The guy was dead on the ground. He, he didn't need his poles anymore is what he said. Jesus. I met uh, two guys coming down one day. They, they had, one of them had got to the summit, other one almost. But um, I was asking, you know, how, how did you get on? How are you? He says, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we're okay. We, we got to the top, but uh, a little bit of frostbite, but we're okay. They got down to the base camp and went into the medics in the base camp and... Uh, the medics there said, listen, you're out of here straight away. They had the severe frostbite. So right. They would have lost fingers and stuff. Jesus, yeah. Fingers and toes. So we we got up to, I was there with my, at the time, my girlfriend at the time. Um, we went, so she had attitude sickness problems. Right. So we went up to maybe 5,000 meters. Okay. Carrying, just carrying loads up there. We were setting up a camp there and... We decided after that we the weather wasn't looking good, so we decided we'd head head down 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 the mountain and went for 
a week or so down south of Chile just to wait for a holiday. Right, right. But the highest any of the team got to was about five and a half, five thousand eight hundred meters maybe. Okay. Before they turned around, they, you know, it was just it wasn't wasn't sensible to go up any higher. Yeah, yeah. Surprised <laughs> since sensible since, decision yeah. comes yeah, in like I at some to, point. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that yeah. sounds really cool. So it's so pity we didn't get to the top, but yeah, it's mountain still there. We might go back another day. Another day. Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't moved anywhere, yeah. thankfully. Um, great. So I think maybe we'll we've we've teased around it for a while. We can probably start talking a bit more about the the endurance runs and stuff. Of how yeah. you've kind of built up to yeah. doing spine. So. You said even in the conversation so far, running has was not really a big thing for you. No, I mean in school, yeah. So up till until I left school, I, I did a bit cross country and stuff. Um, and every now and then over the years, I'd decide to take up running, and I'd buy myself a new pair of runners and run, run up the road for a few days, and hmm. then lose interest. Um, don't know why, but just never, never kept at it. Right, but then. Four years now, well, well, so 2009, I met Tina, yeah. um, my, my wife now, um, and uh, she was into adventure sports. She was training for a marathon at the time. Okay. Um, so I said I'd tag along with her and, you know, do a few runs with her. Right. Um, we went on a, on, to a, an adventure race up in Northern Ireland. Uh, on our second or third date okay. um, and kind of haven't looked back since right. we went and did the Beast of Alihura adventure race um, and it kind of started from there so I was exposed to new new side of things I, I mm. never really considered the adventure sports as proper because they're kind of dumbed down version of all the individual sports so right, right. kayaking is generally you can sit on top kayaks which I hate yeah yeah, yeah. Um, the tandem ones that you do in some of those yeah, places, yeah, 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 the, yeah. you know, uh, um, the, the the biking. That's my level now at that at this stage. So I know, yeah. but yeah, okay. I, <laughs> no, no, no disrespect to no, anyone no, that, that, right. that doesn't, but uh, I mean, you know, it, it don't need to be too technically competent sure, to paddle an adventure race. Mountain biking, similarly, you don't have to be massively Absolutely. competent, and a lot of the a lot of the say one day adventure races, no. or, you know, five six hour adventure races, yeah. Um, you know, don't need to navigate. You, you follow yeah. the, the arrows, and it's all very straightforward. Um, the challenge of the multi-day adventure races is is that you have um, proper navigation to do. Mm. You, it's it's very much a team sport. You have to work together. Typically, teams of four. Yeah. Um, um, you're doing some decent hill walking, long distance treks. Um, some some. Good technical mountain biking as well, and, and a lot of kayaking. Right. Um, so that that made things more interesting. More interesting in, made things more interesting. It's still dumbed down version of the sports, but combined yeah, yeah, yeah. together and having them much longer. Mm. So I mean, the first one we would have done would have been maybe thirty six hours or thirty hours, and then grew to forty hours, and then forty eight hours, and then seventy two hours, and then last year up to Itera, which was five days. Five days. In, Where's that one? Itera was finished in Killarney, was All based right. along the west of Ireland, okay. um, started up in Westport and worked the way down, uh, kayaking, biking, trekking wow. across uh, Connemara. And, and that was a team one with the navigation. Teams of four, and yeah, 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 myself, yeah. Tina and okay. uh, two other lads, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it was those ones you started to get into, obviously 
the one day adventure races didn't pose enough of a danger or a kind of an adrenaline and, and you know not in a that's not for you but it's just it it just seems to be you like yeah. to push yourself why do you think you like to just go that extra 10 sorry i was going to say go that extra mile but that doesn't yeah. go that extra um, 268 miles maybe or something i think i mean you can do the one day adventure races and you can go them fast and hard and for me they're too fast i'm not into going really fast I'm much longer much rather do a, a longer slower one than a short fast one i i'm it's the same with the ultras um i prefer them longer like i, I when i started running i did one marathon then mm. the next long race was, was an ultra marathon yeah, yeah most a lot an awful lot of marathon hours will do and an, a marathon do it in four hours and the next thing they want to go back and do it in three, under four three hours and half, or three yeah, and a yeah, half you yeah, know so yeah, that's yeah. Uh, they work they work on the speed i prefer to just increase the distance right yeah it's interesting yeah like yeah, until recently i wasn't even exposed or aware of some of these i knew of the longer races but it sounds like there's so many of them that kind of go under the radar a little bit yeah. that aren't mainstream yeah i mean there's um in ireland there's a small community of Water runners, um, yeah. but and we all tend to know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even uh, yeah, but but there's there it, it does seem to be a growing sport. There's more events every year. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And do you think so? I guess within that close knit circle yeah. that you all know each other, you all obviously are very similarly cut. Like in that, the motivations yeah. and drive are seem to be very similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, uh, there must be a draw that brings everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's a great sense of camaraderie with it. Within, you know, everyone is, I won't say everyone is there just to finish. There are obviously the guys at the top end who are super athletes who yeah, run yeah. so hard and finish in speeds that I couldn't even comprehend. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone will support each other. Yeah. Everyone will support each other. And, um, you know, on these races, you go through high moments, you go through lows, and. You, you might run with somebody for a few hours and they might lift you up again, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and get you to the end. Yeah, it sounds like it's a, it's a real good, yeah, a good spirit. I think that it's all taken in, like, yeah. I mean, compare it, I think I could be wrong, but compare it to marathon running community or triathlon community or Ironman community. I think it's where there might be more, much more so of a every man for himself kind yeah. of thing with the ultra running. Like, with the ultra running, I think it's, yeah, there's a lot of support there. Okay, so let's talk about the the spine. I suppose in 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 a, in a focus around what your training plan would be. Like, so this, this is the first year you did spine. This is the first year I did the spine. Yeah, right. Yeah, and prior to that, what would have been the longest kind of race? And and is the spine all running? Was there there was no kayak? No kayak. No, okay. no, it's all on foot. No, yeah, all on foot as opposed to all running. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah. and prior to that, what was the longest endurance run? So I, what did you do? I, I'd grown over, I started, say, running in 2013. Mm-hmm. Did a Marana Marathon in, say, May 2013. The Which Burren one? Marathon, the Burren Marathon. Oh, right, okay. So again, it was nice. It's, it's off-road. A lot of it is off-road. Mm. It's really nice. Um, f- again, a year later then, I did uh, the first ultra marathon, which was kind of marathon, uh, 39 miles. Mm-hmm. And that year actually was a, it was a busy year. I went from kind of marathon to the Kerry Way Ultra, which is 120-odd miles. That's the one in September. The, September. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. I know about that one. Yeah. So um, I think 
that might have been considered quite a fast progression to go from the first ultra to 100 mile plus and the carry away is, is, is pretty tough that's tough and that's um, obviously the train for hour one is it roughly uh, you need that much time or more it's a 40 hour cut off okay a 40 hour cut off right uh, I came in at 39 and a half hours okay <laughs> <Which is laughs> I would have sickened if you got a cut off they, uh, they, yeah, they, yeah, they would have let you through I'd say anyway but yeah so I, I, I was uh, yeah there's 15 finishers out of I think about 35 starters right um, but that, I've I've had that trend before to be last line home and scraping cutoffs and things like that. But yeah, I I I've never not finished. So, like, what kind of is blowing my mind a little bit? And I'd like to just dig into it yeah. is that going from the marathon to ultra to that. Like I I did three marathons in a year a couple of years yeah. ago. And I was getting worse as each marathon went because I was picking up injuries and yeah. I wasn't doing strength and conditioning. And have you just how did you kind of train? To keep everything together, or was was it always purely just running, or? Um. Yeah, mostly running. It's okay if it was. Like, yeah. You know, um, I mean, the sensible thing to do is to do more cross training. I do a bit of cycling. I really do very little. Right. Um, I have had back injuries in the past. I had back surgery, I had serious okay. back back issues in the past. Was that from exercise or just? Uh, that was from doing too much heavy lifting and okay. and, 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 and 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 running at the time. I thought right, I right. Th- at the time I thought that I I just really shouldn't run anymore. This is about ten twelve years ago. Okay, um, but I was, <laughs> you ignored that. Thought I ignored that. Yeah, it came back to it. Um, I've had injuries, plenty of injuries, mm. um, but managed to get through them most right. of the time. But, but there was, you know, so many runners, not just ultra runners, but so many runners, full stop, would have niggling injuries. They just run through all the time. time. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the back is obviously the yeah. the thing that flares up. I know my own at the moment mm. is isn't in the best of shape, but uh, it um, it's a killer. Then when you can't, that's taken away from you. The outlet you get like. Yeah. You know, the runs that I do I get a lot of the high you get afterwards yeah, you know? so I presume that must be a huge driver for for you as well to just how, how good you feel for yeah. hours and days afterwards and stuff well absolutely yeah I mean um, even even after a run here up, up the valley or up the hill behind the house here up the paps I mean you come down off that and it's, it's you have a great fun you know yeah. if, if you feel good so um so this was going from going from the carry away. Yeah, if I may do things in in, in sequence. Yes, going from the carry away. The old question is always what comes next. That's always a question: what comes next after you've done a race like this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, with the carry away, I got had points for the UTMB, which is the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc. Okay. And so I did another race later on that year and, and got enough points to apply for it. And then you apply for the UTMB. Right. Um, uh, and there's a, a lottery. And I was lucky enough to get in. Oh, so, cool. so that year, one is how, how big is that one? So it, it's it's very very different race. It's 110 miles or so, but with 10,000 meters of climbing. Right. So it's around Mont Blanc, starts in Chamonix, goes around into Italy and Switzerland, back into France. Right. Um, and you know the carryway, as I said, there was thirty-five starters the year I did it. Fifteen years, fifteen finishers. Right. The UTMB, there was something like three and a half thousand Jesus. starters. Um, what time of the year does that be on? It's on end of August. Okay, so summer still hot. Still hot, yeah, right? Yeah. And 
that race was one where the weather can be different, every, you know, every year. It was very, very hot the year I did it. Um, right. There's a great crew of, of Irish out there as well. as about 10 of us there. There's a whole festival of races that week, some shorter, some longer. Right. Um, so was, uh, we, had a, we had a great week leading up to the race. A whole load of uh, Irish people there. And it's in individual, it's not team. Yeah, all individual. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But that was the heat really killed me on that. Right. It was, it was, it was, I got to the end, I finished it. Um, How long did that take? Again, the final cutoff was four. The six and a half hours, I came in at 45 and a half hours. So, you know, yeah. but you know, halfway around, I was, I was, there was, there was intermediate cut off times at, at many checkpoints, and I was yeah. scraping out of there like three minutes to go, six minutes to, to go. So, so up, like. at the end, I had a very strong finish. Great, <laughs> very strong finish. Seems as if after you only kick into gear after like 30 days of a around no. the Ireland or 30 <laughs> hours or so, yeah. So that was the uh, the next big one. So, so was, it's kind of we're kind of stepping up to the next four. Yeah, after that, then. that was two thousand fifteen, August two thousand fifteen, um, two thousand sixteen. Then I, I had a bad start of the year, but four or five months health wise, right. I was just um, pretty sick for yeah four or five months. Uh, energy levels so incredibly low. Yeah. Uh, so I could do nothing. I had great plans for the year. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was going to do um, the three peninsulas as runs. So they they did the the Kerryway, the Dingleway, and the Bearway. That was one of my challenges. I was going okay. to do for the year. That never happened. I did um, the Dingleway later on. Right. Or most of it. Um, How do you deal with that sort of darkness? Because yeah, you know, if I can't run for a week, I feel pissed off about it. Yeah, like that sort um, of stuff when it's so in your blood. It's tough. I mean, yeah, you get depressed, but you know, it is what it is. Um, you just get on with it. And uh, once I started improving, like I literally was going for a walk around the block, like a quarter of a mile around the block. Yeah. I did that one day, and then two days later, I'm trying to do it a little bit faster. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was my training regime starting from that level yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, and it's funny, even from mm. that, you get a good buzz out of doing just those quarter miles or miles just when you can start getting back yeah, into it. Yeah. You feel just yeah, as good yeah. after that as you yeah, would after a long run. Like, so. it's, it's satisfying to see the progression, see, you know, yeah. uh, after a while I was doing two miles and going up, up the hill, up the back of the house, up the paps. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, so, 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 but by, by June, May, June, I was kind of back to training. Okay. Uh, I there was a race that I had wanted to do, but there's a couple of races I wanted to do last year, but I I couldn't. Right. One was um, I'll tell you about this because it's it's funny. Okay. There was a, a this guy in England who uh, called Mark Cockbane or Cobain. I'm not sure how, how you pronounce okay. it. But he runs races called the hard stuff, so it's proper hard. Right. Uh, one for example is called the Hill Ultra, um, where it's on in December, and it's something like 55 times up and down this hill in the Peak District. And it's not especially steep, or it's not especially high, but the whole total distance is 160-odd miles in December. And, this, you know, you're not allowed to rest for any more than half an hour. And it's just... He puts you know, a lot of constraints around it to make it stupid hard. Like, yeah. so that was just one of the races he did. But the one that really, really gripped me, that uh, it was called the Chained Ultra. 
where you turn up and there's a there's a, a 65 mile course around a farmland in the county of Rutland uh, near Le- in Leicestershire in the UK. Right. Two laps of the 65 mile course, so 130 miles. Right. You have 33 hours to do it. Right. But you're chained to somebody with a meter length of chain that you meet at the start of the race. You've never met the person Never met before. them before. Oh, God. That was the concept initially. Right. Interesting. Um, now, it, um, I couldn't do it. I, I paid oh. up for it. I signed up for it, but I just wasn't fit or healthy enough to do it right, at right. the time. But uh, I think 10, 10 pairs, maybe five pairs. Ten, I think, let's say 10 pairs started, but nobody actually finished it. <laughs> unfortunately. Jesus. Uh, so this was, was that the first year of it? That was, that was the first year of it. Okay. And the only year of it. Right, right, right. The concept didn't work out too good, so. Well, no, it's it's okay if it's, it's no finishes. Okay. The first year, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It just means yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's just they didn't do it again. Um, they didn't do it again partly because of lack of interest I had already signed up for the next year right, right. right? I, I wanted I was going back to do this I wanted yeah. I already signed up it's still going to be run in a slightly different format in conjunction later on this year in November this year I think in a race called Escape from Meridian um, where you you start in this place called Meridian in the middle of the UK and you have 24 hours or in the chained version right. you've got 30 three hours I think to get as far away from that point as you can in any direction you want alright it's interesting so, so it must be a very central location that you can actually go yeah it's I think between Coventry and Birmingham I think so yeah it's, so you got to be getting chained but somebody you know so uh, so you can plan it with that person in advance so you know what route you're yeah. going to take and how far you get so I'm paid up for it so I'm looking for somebody to chain myself to so anyone, right. if anybody yeah, you never know, well, if anyone's interested, uh, they certainly can get in touch with the, the website and we'll connect up. Yeah. You, you never know who might... Uh, do, I was just such a looking at me for a second. Kind of, <laughs> well, anybody. I'll yeah. take that anyone. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about then the, the spine race now. I, you know, yeah. everything okay. was building up to this. Was this something that was on your radar for a while then, or had you heard about it? I'd heard about it, um, and I'd followed it the last couple of years. And it was an Irish winner a few years ago, I think. An Irish winner last, last year, year. Okay. Uh, Ian Keith. Um, he set a new record on it. Right. Um, he had been, he was second the previous year in a very tight race. Wow. Um, tight race out of 268 so, miles must have been. Yeah. 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 Um, so he, he really, really did, did amazingly well um, last year. So, yeah, we, with these races, there's now live online tracking. Yeah. So you can follow the dots for yeah. a whole week or three or four or five days of the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with the, a lot of the adventure races we do do now. It yeah, it's great. Um, uh, great fun for people following it. I was following the one on Saturday. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeping an eye on that. Like, yeah, so yeah. Um, it's good fun. So I was following that avidly uh, the last couple of years. and So last year, around about this time last year, I signed up for it. Okay, and there was no... Qualification for this one, it was like anyone mad enough to sign up for this. No, you do have to apply and you do have to have relevant experience. Right, right. um, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a fast marathon runner, you have to have relevant, say, mountain experience and navigation. Navigation, you know, ideally, not everyone did, right? But yeah, ideally, um, have good, say, uh, mountain marathon running experience or Mm. long ultra experience, that type of thing, yeah. Okay, Uh, so signed up for it in. Around this time last year, then got sick. Right. And uh, every time I thought of it, 
during the year, I thought, what the feck have I signed up for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was I thinking? Hmm. Um, even when I was getting healthier, when it was, you know, last summer, June, July, August, thinking, right. what the hell did I do that for? Yeah, yeah. It's dark, it's wet, it's miserable, it's expensive, yeah. you know. Um, but then uh, come... So after I tear the five day race last August, after that, that was the next race was the next big one was the spine. You didn't do it very well last year, no. I didn't. You know what? I got to the end of Itera. Right. Um, I had it in my mind to do it. Mm. I was at the end of the race. I was feeling great. I was feeling fit. No, no, no major issues. Yeah. And I said to Eileen, who runs the race, "Listen, sign me up. I'll, I'll be there." Yeah. Three days later, then I got a flu. Uh, it's it's very typical because you get this kind of um, your, your your immune system is shot. Sure. So any kind of bugs that are going on going on, you'll pick them up. Mm. So so that took me out of the, the carryway. But I was at the carryway volunteering. Okay. Um, if if I can't race a race, I'll be, be there as a volunteer. Yeah. Same as last weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't do the carryway, no. But but um, so last September, I started thinking properly about the spine and started planning it and started reading previous race reports which are an invaluable source of information. Right. Because um, you see what gear other people used, what um, what sleep strategy, all this type of stuff. Yeah. And the more I read, the more I read, okay, these are all normal people, as, sure. as normal as can be expected, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they're all, you know, there's some, there's guys, when it's their 60s, there's, right. there's young guys, there's a, a whole range hmm. Of, of shapes and sizes and ages so I thought okay well, I, if they can do it I can do it mm. and then the planning started huge amounts of planning I see it mapped out up there is that it? yeah that's yeah, it yeah. up over the fireplace cool. um, I mean yeah for weeks if not months before yeah. this room here in my office was just covered in gear right. of piles of food here and sleeping bags and clothes yeah, yeah. and you know, Christmas, last Christmas was, was not about Christmas holidays and family. It was all about preparing for the spine. Right. Um, so, um, And yeah. with the preparation that went into it. Well, one of the things that just keeps jumping into my yeah. mind is that looking, you know, a lot of these races, as you mentioned, lads in their 60s. and a, Yeah. It always seems to me people that are doing these are past 20s, in their 30s, yeah. 40s, 50s. And it seems as if people are drawn to that more later in uh in yeah. life why, why do you think that might be the case is it just that the team sports get in the way at a younger age or is just I think there's a, a number of reasons um, a lot of it is experience hmm. the people who have who've been having say hill walking and mountaineering for years uh, will start going in different directions um, and they have the mountain experience then to do it Um Maybe typically ultra marathons are slower. Yeah, you're, you're not going to run eight yeah. minute miles for for hundred miles, or mm-hmm. some, some very few people will. Um, so you, people just go longer instead of faster. Right. Um, and and you can do you can do ultra marathon and ultra endurance events until you're yeah in your sixties seventies. Why yeah, not? Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Yeah. So. Christmas was all about spine. Mm-hmm. Lots of presents from Santa Claus to help you with uh, the spine adventure. Yeah. yeah. And then it's over to the UK. It starts. How many started and how many was in that? Um, there was, I think, 113 
think there's 120 signed up, but maybe there's always people drop out. Right. You know, the, the leading the, the week leading up to it. Yeah. Um, say 115 started. Okay. Um, and your race kind of strategy then was. Um. Yeah, 115 starters. Just looking at my notes. Oh, yeah. 115 okay. starters. Um. So race strategy was. Um, With all the planning that you put in, like you knew, was there obviously lots of sleep involved and points where you realised you had to take downtime or. So, so just I suppose to give you an overview of the races, it's yeah. 268 miles long. Yeah. There's five checkpoints where you can get your drop bag. In your drop bag, you have your spare shoes, clothes, food, mm-hmm. medical stuff, whatever it is you need. Um, there's also a few intermediate checkpoints. Uh, where you don't get your drop bag, but you will get, um, you know, some place to go inside. Typically, you get some some place to sleep, maybe on the floor of a, of a hall. You get some hot water to to rehydrate your food. Right. You get some medical support to patch up blisters and things like this. Yeah. Uh, so, typically, you get to the main checkpoint every twenty four hours. So between those times, you have to carry all your kit, you know, so your, your sleeping bag, bivy bag, um, sleeping mat, stove, food, spare clothes, navigation stuff, um, hats, gloves, the whole lot. So, yeah. Uh, water. And auto water as well. Um, so the the key things for the spine race, and the same would apply for so other long races as well, your feet, look after your feet. Mm-hmm. And sleep strategy. Right. And the other thing that affects the race then is the, the weather conditions. Yeah. Which is outside your control. Outside so, your control, yeah. So your feet and your sleep. Do you can two, manage two, some two more things. Yeah. But would you be sleeping, would you be erecting a tent or would you be just sleeping under a, <laughs> under a mountain? Or so what? it varies and different people would do things different ways. Um, in some of the checkpoints, there would have been hostels. So you, you get a bunk. You sleep in the bunk for up a couple for, of hours. Up to you for as long as you want, like yeah, yeah, well, yeah, within reason. Okay, okay. The maximum time you can spend in any checkpoint was twelve hours. Like nobody would ever spend yeah, twelve yeah, hours yeah. there. Yeah, a twelve hours sleep um, would be a bit ridiculous, like I think. Um, but you spend a couple of hours uh, in 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 some of the hostels there. Um, other of the checkpoints, there was just a hall, so you you know hall. I don't sleep very well with noise or light or any kind of disturbance um, right. so my plan was to sleep as much as possible out on the course um in sheds barns any kind of cover i could i could so find you just find along the way is it? find along the way okay i, I mentioned the race reports from previous years yeah, so yeah i would have read all of those okay and if anyone in those race reports says and we got through um keld on the way off part of keld uh there's a yes, there's a stable there, so I went in there. So I go and get onto Google Earth and zoom in and find the stable and mark it on my map. Jeez. And so, so I know pictures of what this looked like. You knew when you yeah. saw these things. This is this is my bed for the night, sort of thing. Absolutely, for a few yeah. hours, right, right. So there's some where I knew I was going to get a shed. There's other which I others which I found along the way. Um, <laughs> mad. We went into. I raced with Brian, Brian who Brian Harmon, who's on the Itera with us last year as well. Right. I convinced him to sign up for it uh, during Itera last year. During the race? During the race, Okay. Yeah. We're going up, up it's through, a good time um, to convince somebody who halfway through one race for yeah, another race. Up yeah. through the 12 bends and we're chatting about it and he'd been thinking about it and I convinced him to sign up, yeah. Um, so I, I was with Brian a, a lot of the way. Um, 
uh, but we we were going up through a place called Thwaite and going up out, up up a hill and came across this shed. I said, you know, there wasn't a lock on it, so we'd have a look in the smaller shed. So Brian stuck his head in and saw something scurrying away. Uh, he said it was a rabbit, but it wasn't a rabbit. In right. fact, it was, it, was, it, was, it was three rats oh, scurried yeah. into the hole in the ground. And uh, we went in there and there was a dead sheep in some kind of feeder in the corner. Yeah. And uh, But that was um, a great place. We went in there and leave it there, cooked up. Uh, and uh, slept <laughs> there for a couple of hours. Had the best sleep of, of the whole race there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably felt great after it. Yeah. Refreshed. Like, yeah, 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 felt yeah. good there. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, so, and again, another time I went into another shed, there was a couple of uh, pallets on the ground and slept there for, again, a couple of hours. And, you know, so, yeah, you sleep whenever you can. Right. Um, towards the end of the race, I didn't sleep as much as I wanted to, and I, I suffered on the last the last legs. I suffered big time there. Right. You know, when you hear of people doing their marathon and they hit the wall yep. after 18 or 21 or... 12 or whatever miles yeah, like, is there 18 20 miles yeah, yeah, yeah is there yeah. walls that you hit during this or points where you again going back to comparisons to the, around around yeah. Ireland, like what am i doing why am i doing this i can't oh, continue yeah. absolutely obviously comes up but how do you yeah. this would probably be a learning for everybody that does any sort of distance running but how do you do you notice these coming do you get more used to them coming and you realize you just put out your mind you have a strategy for that for starters, you know going into it, having done them for a couple of years now, you know that you're going to have low moments. You know you're going to have times when you want to just go home. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's, but you also know from experience that you come out of these things. You yeah. come out of these lows. And the the race started on the Sunday morning. There was a lot of snow on the ground, and it was raining and wasn't especially cold uh-huh. at all. It was quite mild for this time of year. Um, but it got really mushy and mucky and the rivers were high. We had to cross quite a few rivers in the first day. And um, so kind of knees, thigh deep going across these rivers, which was quite dodgy at times. Yeah. Um, and then the second, you know, it got into the first checkpoint, which was 45, 46 miles into it and stepped for a couple of hours there and got out again. So at five o'clock in the morning, heading out again and it was still raining and it was still misty. The fog was down. And really the Pennine Way is not an attractive route. Right. In winter, in the fog and the dark, it's even less attractive. Yeah. And on the second day, I was saying, just saying, I, 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 if I had had, what, what I was saying to myself, if I could get a decent injury, a decent broken leg, at least I could bow a great excuse, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I knew anything less than a bone sticking out would not be good enough. <laughs> uh, if I came home here to team yeah. <laughs> after not having given it a decent effort, she'd, yeah, have, yeah. she'd have killed me. And uh, you were with your mate, though, at this point as well. We were, myself and Brian were together from the start up until there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd be um, good support for each other, obviously, then. Yeah, oh, yeah, we just kept each other going, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I did have an injury kind of flare up, but then it settled down again, so it kept on going. Um, uh, what's yeah. your nutritional strategy for these sort of things? Like, how do you keep the energy levels going? And You have to eat. Yeah. Um, unless you're, unless you, you want to eat. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. I, I say I have to eat unless you're Ian Keith. Ian Keith has developed this nutritional strategy where he's trained his 
body to burn fat and he's trained his body so well that he can run the spine race on a day's worth of food over four days. He eats very little. He's just, it's incredible. I, I'm not anything like that. Yeah. Um, I would eat, uh, eat as much as you can all the time, but I struggle to eat. I, at first few days, I really was felt like up chucking every time I, right. I ate. I'd get into a checkpoint I'd sit there and try to eat a bowl of pasta or whatever. Brian would come in, have two bowls of pasta, shoving it in the back. I'm struggling to get the food in, right but right. I knew I had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I take it very, very slowly and get it into me and uh, have, try to have small amounts. And often, towards the end of the race, after two, three days of being like that, I could then eat just about anything towards yeah, the end. Yeah, you seem to get better as you go into these races anyway. So, yeah. um, Your endurance yeah. seems to balance out or level off or I don't maybe know, so. second or third win by the sounds of it maybe so yeah, yeah. I heard a, there's a guy I've listened to on other podcasts called Vim Hoff have you ever heard of Vim yeah Hoff? this guy the, the Iceman they call Iceman, him yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. climbed up half of Everest or one side of Everest in his bare feet yeah. and shorts and, but he's trained his body into something similar to what you, you mentioned yeah. Ian does there and yeah. uh, he's phenomenal I, I, I read his he's a breathing technique yes, and things like yeah, that yeah, and yeah, yeah. he's done desert um, marathons and bare yes. feet as well without taking on any water and stuff so yeah. the body I suppose just adapts and figures stuff out like but yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's made a serious career out of it anyway he so yeah. a lot of world records anyway um, is there any moment during the whole spine race that sticks out as in the best moment apart from I presume the finish or, or, yeah. or the, the hardest moment where you you know not to go back over the same things again but like just turning points in the race for you <laughs> Um, turning points, I suppose, once I got, um, kind of halfway there. You're on the way home, sort of thing. You knew I was on the way home. I knew, <laughs> Only 133 okay, miles left, like, so. Yeah, I knew, okay, I have a chance of finishing this now. Um, and it's amazing how you, you, you can come into a checkpoint feeling destroyed, your feet really hurting, um... But get in there and leave there three, four or five hours later, uh, feeling like a new man. Yeah. Relatively speaking, you know, mm-hmm. and I can carry on again after yeah. another 50 odd miles. Yeah. Um, th- th- that kind of thing is, is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, how the body. Re- how I can recover. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean. <sighs> As Brian said it to me afterwards, it was like a, a, a an inverted roller coaster where there's lows followed by more lows. Yeah. Brian struggled with with blisters on his feet from reasonably early on, but carried on to about two hundred miles before mm. he had to pull out. Uh, he was out, right? he uh, he he's he's a hard hard man, right. and his feet were in absolute bits. He was yeah. in awful discomfort, but still right, was carrying right. on. Yeah. Um, some of the high points it was nice along Hadrian's Wall. It was dry. It was daylight. Right. It was good underfoot. Okay. To make good ground, it was nice enough scenery. Was there any? Was there much of it on the road? Very little on the road. Okay. Very little on the road. Uh, some forestry tracks. Some uh, not an awful lot of it on um, stone slabs, which um, were fine if if it's nice and dry. But if it was icy, they're lethal. Mm. Also, on the first day, 
there's an awful lot of water around, so there might be a little gap between slabs and a hole of two foot down, you'd run, be running through it. And I put my foot right down into, into one of them a couple of times and, you know, potential leg-breaking moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of, uh, lots of low moments and... Yeah. Um, yeah, not a lot of highs. <laughs> and then finishing it. So, what was the sense of achievement, relief, or what was the going through your mind when you got through it? I mean, so the last leg from a place called Burness was over the Cheviots, uh, and in all the race reports, it was always put out there as the, the big bad, bad bad monster at the end. It was tough, big long leg, <laughs> long leg over the hills. No, yeah. uh, no escape routes if you got into trouble. Right. Other years there'd been a lot of snow, so this year there's no snow. It was okay. actually quite reasonable, but I, I was going into it with very little sleep. And there's two huts along the way, two mountain huts, and I was planning on sleeping in the first hut I got into. Right. And uh, I was at the th- at that stage, I was last person on the course, and there's the mountain rescue team were there. Right. I wasn't expecting them to be there. I didn't need them. I didn't want them to be there. Yeah. I wanted to get in there and get some peace and quiet sleep. Yeah. But of course, they were trying to be quiet, but they had chatted a little bit, and I can't sleep at all, so yeah, I yeah, had yeah. to leave. Right. I had no choice but to leave. Um, so I had 10 miles into the next thought, and I was thinking that could be potentially serious for me, not having had much sleep at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose it gave me a kick up the arse, and uh, I did that 10 miles in a reasonable pace. Right. And um, it was the only part of the course which was properly icy. But okay. I again got through that okay. Uh, put on these little crampons, and um, got to the second hut, which is again six miles, six or so miles from the end. Right. Feeling great, feeling really refreshed, and, and thinking out. I was right at the right at the end, and you know dismissing the fact that I was still you know six miles, which is at the pace I was going was two to three hours at least. <laughs> yeah. Um. um and it was actually running sections of that. Right. Any of the, the easier downhill sections I was running. Uh, but a couple of miles to the end, the, the exhaustion just really got to me. And I was just wanted to stop and sit down and sleep. Right. I knelt down on the road less than a mile from the finish. Jesus. I was practically ready to fall asleep there on the road. Yeah. And uh, was giving out to myself and cursing and swearing and just giving myself a severe talking to. But yeah, yeah. Got to the end and um, in a little village called Kirk Yetum. Right. And uh, there had been about five or six finishers in the hour previous to me getting there. Hmm. Um, so there's a lot of activity around. This is around half twelve, one o'clock in the morning. And um, I came down and heard someone cheering and, you know, what are they cheering about? And realised then there was, they saw my head torch coming down the road. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, Gave me a bit of a support. And I, yeah. at, at the time, I think, you know, walking down the last couple of miles, I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to walk to the finish. Yeah, yeah. At, at the UTMB, I had uh, the last half mile or so, I ran and I ran and I sprinted and I had a spectacularly good finish. Right, extravagant, yeah. jumping up and down like an Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a friend of mine, Adam Murphy, um, refers to that. He's the runner runners, or okay. refers to that finish. So I said, okay, I have to do a proper finish like, yeah, yeah. For, for, for Alan right. but of course it was pitch dark and no one could see it but I, was, I did actually sprint across the green in, into Kirk Elton and right. um, off to the wall and it was a, it was a good finish
Good buzz. And yeah. that's only a few weeks ago now, right, right? That's, yeah, three and a half weeks ago, three, yeah, three <laughs> weeks ago. So was the, was the runner's high, like, for days afterwards? A couple of days, a couple of days was absolutely high, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And the spirit of the Otteroni community, I've mentioned that already. Yeah. Um, two friends met us at the end, uh, Liam and Chantel. I didn't really know them that well beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, and they'd never met Brian beforehand. Right. But they, they were at the start of the race. They lived in Edinburgh. We met him at the end of the race. I got to the end of the race absolutely shattered. They looked after us completely. Yeah, took yeah, yeah. Pack off me, helped take my shoes off. Yeah. yeah. Um, pint of Guinness to me, which was the nicest Lovely. pint of Guinness ever. Okay. Um, we hung around the pub for a while at the end and they piled us into the car, brought us up to their house in Edinburgh, cool. about a mile up the road. Sent us upstairs. Okay, Brian, that's your bed. Pat, that's your bed. Yeah. We I realized the next morning that they put us into their bed. It was oh, only wow. a small little house. Right, they right. slept on the sofa and they put us into their beds. Cool. So it was incredibly generous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I spent the next day chilling out in their house and came home then and um, came home a couple of days later. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, sounds like a great, oh, great journey. Um, yeah. what, what advice would you give to somebody that wants to not maybe do that straight away or, or kind of get into these sort of things is it something that you would you know obviously recommend or absolutely you know, yeah so okay you, you have people who run half marathons or marathons they'd be the people that would be thinking maybe of doing an ultra marathon I'd say just forget about thinking about doing it just go off and do one find one find an ultra marathon reasonable like the, the right now it's it's uh, middle of February uh, the Connor Marathon April, is 39 miles on around April yeah uh, there's one called the Stone Mad which is June time I think um, around about 40 miles um, just sign up and start training towards it yeah. don't plan a year ahead just yeah, go yeah, and do yeah. it it won't be fast but you can do it and if if you think about these things too much yeah, it'll never happen. And I guess sometimes people might like. How would you adapt their training plan for a normal marathon to to an ultra? Is it, you know, everybody does not everybody obviously, but there's lots of training plans for running a yeah. marathon under your four hours and three and a half or whatever. It's kind of from what I'm getting from you is just don't even really have a plan, just to kind of go that little bit further and don't put yourself under severe constraints to. The, to nail a time the, the type of ultra will determine what kind of training you do if it's a road ultra like Canamara uh, then you increase your mileage on the road okay um, so like your your biggest distance before a normal marathon this is to do the 21 or so a couple yeah, of times for yeah. an ultra would you go up to the 25 or 6 or 30 or something like that do you think to have it you in you probably could I mean for starters you'll go slower hmm. but you can go further yeah you could do 25 30 miles in, uh, leading up to a to a to a uh, say a 40 mile ultra um but the key thing is to to do important thing back to back long runs saturday and sunday you never miss your long run right so do maybe 20 miles on the saturday and 10 or 15 on the sunday get or, that or, long or, distance in yeah. over those two days or whatever and so on the Sunday, what you're doing is running on tired legs. Yeah. So get out and just do 10 slow miles and okay. take it handy. Um, if you're doing a trail ultra, then you want to be running on trails. 
right. or if you're doing if it's got to be hilly then you want to be doing off road up in the hills yeah uh, replicate the conditions as much as you can right if it's going to be in the winter in shitty weather then get out and run in shitty winter shitty weather in the winter yeah, yeah. um yeah just 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 run just, longer right yeah. do it and not overthink it yeah cool um we're up to an hour and 15. All right. Yeah, I told you, time goes yeah, quick, doesn't it? Does, does, does. Um, I'm going to just wrap up with a few kind of shorter questions. Right. If uh, Just to get your take on, obviously, we've touched on so much from a running and a exercise perspective. I won't obviously go through all of these, but uh, what what's your work-life balance like now? I kind of laugh asking that yeah. because... From running how, again, how long did it take the 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 spine? Seven, six days. It's cut off with seven days. I finished eight hours short of the short. Cut off. Perfect. Yeah, which cool. is which is very good for me. I'm only so, about half an hour before the cut off. Yeah, that's yeah. like if, if to ask the work life balance question. Yeah. There, your your life your your balance there is run for a week, work for a week. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm very lucky that I work from home most right. of the time. Yeah. I travel for work about a week a month, some a bit more sometimes at the moment. Yeah. Um. So, okay, I'm still I'm not quite back to training after the uh, after the the spine yet. Um. I might go out tonight. Should go out tonight. Um. But uh, typically, um, yeah, work nine to five and do a bit of faffing around in the evenings and then okay. get out for a run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I suppose, do you find that when you do work from home, it does give you that little bit more time to obviously oh, take out a commute yeah, and all absolutely, that? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's easier. And when I'm away, I work mostly in the UK, a lot of time around Duffborough, so I know where I can run around there. Okay. If in some places you don't know, then obviously it's hard to get a, a hill run in. Mm. Uh, if it's uh, here, I can go out the back door and off the paps, I can get a nice six mile good hill running yeah or up the valley into the forestry you can do you know 10 miles up in the forestry that kind of thing so okay. it's, it's good being away it's, it's hard to get proper training done right one thing i kind of fascinated about is meditation and kind of mindfulness i presume you that is running for you i guess is it is that how you would kind of zone out or be in the moment that, that you're, you're you're off switch I suppose? yeah to a degree and you know you gave me a heads up on some of these questions yeah. Um, the other day and I was thinking about it and what I started doing now when I'm out on the run is um, just stop and sit halfway around the mm. run uh, just to, to listen and, to and, everything around you yeah because right? typically it's dark these days yeah. but yeah just listen and look around and see and it's it amazing what, the, what what you can hear you know absolutely uh, yeah yeah. you obviously don't listen to music or podcasts on, on the runs at all do you or I, you know I I used to and normally I don't on on the spine. I uh, got through two audiobooks, two or three audiobooks. Yeah. <laughs> so they're great. Like, yeah, they are. They yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. But no, typically no, I don't. Yeah, uh, unless I know it's going to be a really long, boring run. Yeah. Then no, I don't listen to, to okay. anything really. Um. What do you fear? That's a question I like to ask. Is there anything that that you fear? Might tie into one of my final questions, but uh, the, the um, there's nothing that you obviously face on tough challenges, but yeah. anything that is in your way that you said, Jesus, that's something that would be too much for me, or not necessarily about running, but that could be 
something. Um, running wise, no. At this stage, anything is just a challenge, if you like. But yeah. no, I mean, um, serious illness or a serious injury that would prevent me from doing yeah. what I want to do. That would that that would. I'd be afraid of that. Yeah. Do you ever think of a plan B to? Counter so if something does happen and we all get a bit older and you know struggling to get out on the roads, what what would you look to have as another outlet? Do you think to kind of? I mean that passion and there's yeah I mean there's a difference between getting older and getting on you know that's fine you just do the same things just slower slower yeah yeah. Um, I mean there's there are eighty year old ultra runners out there yeah uh, still doing stuff. it's having an illness which or uh, being paralyzed or something that, that that prevents you from doing anything at all that mm. would, that would kind of stuff would terrify me okay um, yeah but a plan b where where else would you put your put your efforts yeah i don't know how to know don't uh, we don't have to go into the dark yeah, 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 yeah. um is there anyone that you would look up to in this kind of world of running that that maybe motivates you or that you would say that's an influence there's nobody out there that i would really you know there's lots of people that i'd admire yeah but nobody that would influence me especially um you know i'd get ideas from people i'd see different races i see people that that other people would do with okay that's a nice idea and yeah yeah. and try something or try to set your own challenge like um Kind of divert going going off a little bit on the tangent, but yeah, you, you don't what the things you do don't have to be races. Mm-hmm. Um, like this year, like New Year's Eve, the seventeen went up to the top of the pass New Year's Eve for midnight. Okay. And on the way down, I had an ocean. I've I've started really to really enjoy this run. Yeah. Uh, so this year, at some stage, I wanted to see how many times I can go up from my gate to the top of the paps and back down again in twenty four hours. <laughs> right. You know. Okay. Just a silly challenge that I can do right yeah, yeah, yeah. beyond back door, you know? Right, and what's the um, distance up and down? Uh, four miles up and down, I think. Four, four miles round trip. Okay. Like, I've done it and Like, we had, we had we had a race here. There's an Imbra Irish Mountain Running Association race. Right. Started from my gate here and the team sandwiches afterwards were, were in the kitchen here right, right. last summer, which is fantastic. I wasn't oh. here, typically, I was always bloody well working. Right, right, right. But, um... Uh, so it's a nice run it's a lovely race yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not too steep it's fast enough and you know okay. it's, it's good fun but to be honest, I've done it in like 55 minutes or so right much lower than the proper Imre guys yeah but still it's a nice thing to, to kind of set as a yeah, challenge yeah so you know it's, yeah cool what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or does anything jump out around advice that you took on board again doesn't always have to be Look at you said don't 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 do the spine, but obviously that probably wouldn't have been yeah. a good piece of advice. Look after your back. Mind yeah. your back. <laughs> yeah. Good. That yeah. is definitely a good one, all right. What are your have you any bad habits? Too much time on Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh yeah, such such a such what a would you be looking sucker. kind of up about other runs and stuff, races or stuff like that? Yeah, I mean all of the friends and stuff I have in, in Facebook would be all runners, so just uh looking at shite on Facebook basically you know yeah. which is bad um, I'm not very good in the morning I'm not like uh, because I work from home yeah. work from 9 to 5 I can be in bed at 5 to, five to 9 and still okay. be at work on time nice. which is not good yeah. so no I'm, I'm planning on changing that this year but you're, so your running habits would they be more in the evenings than yeah. the mornings typically yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. I can go out at any time at night right. and have a good run 
and 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 have a good run as opposed to just just do my miles. If I try and get up at six o'clock in the morning, typically I'd be sluggish. Yeah. Just the way I am, I don't know. Okay, interesting. Looks like you read a lot of books, or there's a lot of books behind you here. Yeah, well. Any particular book that you would recommend for somebody to read that uh, that could be something that they could use to make themselves a bit better? Born to Run, I see you pulling that one. Born to Run. I mean, yeah. people will talk it down, they say that it's 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 uh, been exaggerated and whatever else, and there, I'm sure there's a certain degree of that, but it's really well written, it's a really good story, and that's probably what got me into running. Really? I read this um, uh, late 2012, and I, in my head then I was a virtual ultra runner, I started, right. I got the barefoot shoes, started yeah. running in January 2013. Got a stress fracture. Stress. <laughs> Those are the ones with the yeah. The, you can see the toes. The, what do you what do you call them? Uh, vibrant five fingers. Right, uh, and you you got a stress fracture. Yeah, because yeah, I did too much too soon. But uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that that's that's a good book. Okay, that's a good book. It's in keeping with everything else. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, look, I think maybe just to wrap up, what uh, what's the next challenge? Apart from the twenty four hours up. In oh the, yeah, the local one. But uh, is there another? Um, on, in keeping with always pushing forward, I can't imagine there's too much more distance-wise type ones out there. Or there probably is, so just let me know. Well, deliberately before before the spine, I, I was putting nothing in my plans. Yeah, because people have said they could be two, three months recovering after. From spine. You know, some people have do take that long to recover oh. properly. I think I'm back to normal now, three weeks later, which is yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um. So, but in the last couple of weeks, I've started putting a plan for the year. Um, um, yeah, I came home the other night from, from England and Tina was there sitting up in bed with the laptop there with a the city green on her face. And right. said, what have you done? She signed up for an Ironman. Okay. Now, we're not, we're not swimmers at all. Right, right. Uh, or especially bikers these days yeah, yeah but we signed up tina signed up she says okay you have half an hour to sign up before the, the early bird so i signed up okay. as well right uh, for the uh, for so where the it's a hard man triathlon in killarney so okay. it's on 19th of august so um is that a full airman full airman yeah. so that's the 70 mile 140 is it or something? um it doesn't sound i don't know too bad to you well yeah well it's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's over in one day how hard can it yeah, be yeah. That's <laughs> it's the swim I, though it's a challenge is it yeah i mean i haven't I, I, the only time i swam in the recent years was on adventure races where i swim half a kilometer or so yeah, yeah, yeah. and um so but, but we went to uh, the pool there last week and I swam 100 lengths which is, so I can swim <laughs> Jesus fantastic. Christ I, know, I, can, I was amazed uh, um, yeah. so so that, that's, that's one an okay. Ironman um, I signed up for a race called the Ridge Ultra which is 112 miles across Northern Ireland mm-hmm. it's the first year of it it's coast to coast of it is it not quite coast to coast right. next year there's a coast to coast version which is 269 miles Oh. Interestingly, one, one mile, mile longer than my spine. Yeah. <laughs> I know I was that deliberate. Um, but I'll do the 112 miles. It looks like a nice race. So that, that's, that's one of the reasons to do it. Right. Um, I have a notion as well. Um, again, it's just an idea at the moment, but uh, thinking not about just doing running, but kayaking. Yeah. So. 
Um, yeah, you kayak across it, the Atlantic or anything? Like no, that? well, <laughs> no, no. This is just a, right. a, a shorter one. Okay. But the River Shannon, I'm not sure if there's a record for kayaking the lengths of the River Shannon, but I've, I've looked at that recently uh, and I'm thinking about going from near the Shannon Pot, a couple of, a few miles downstream of that, there's a little town where I think you can paddle from, okay. down to Limerick City where it becomes tidal. It's 150 miles, I think. 150? 150. Okay. So I think using the same kind of approach as you do in the spine, so keep them going, keep them going, keep them going until you're so tired that you have to sleep. Yeah, sleep yeah, for yeah. a couple of hours and go again yeah. through the day and night. I think it could be done in two, three, four days, something like that. Yeah, so that's yeah, kind yeah. of... Kind of on the cards as well. We'll see. Okay. Um, so you, you know that that like it, it. It's obvious that you love the adrenaline. You love the push. You love to set the challenge. You love to set goals. Yeah. It it just um, it sounds like there's you know more and more to come. I guess over the next few years, all going who knows? well. Who, yeah. Who knows? Who Have you looked yeah. into anything in the US or any kind of events over there that they do anything different <sighs> over there? Yeah, I mean, after after the spine, you know, something pops up on Facebook. Not even not in, in in the states, but there was one called the Dragon's Back, which is in Wales. Yeah. It's, again, another long distance race on this summer. Yeah. But you know, it was just it's too expensive to, right. to you know. Yeah. Maybe maybe another year, but then of course on these races you always hear about what's longer, you know. Yeah. And yeah. there's one called the Yukon. 300 i think there's a 413 mile version as well so in the winter in the yukon so that would be 430 in england is it in the states oh, in the, States, in the yukon right uh so you uh, putting a sled across snow and ice for for, for hundreds of miles right um they would be and again that's stupidly expensive so yeah um they're the kind of things uh maybe we'll look at cool well look i think we've uh taken up enough of your evening I know That's you're right. keen to get a run in and as well it's probably getting a little bit late um, Pat thanks a million for sharing your, your story and your journey and no certainly very interesting in the, in the spine uh, I'm looking forward to putting this one together and getting it out there so thanks again no bother pleasure Hey folks, so if you're at this point, it means you got to the end of one of my episodes. Thank you for listening. It's uh, it's great that you took the time to do so, and I hope you got something out of it. So I'm just going to wrap it up with a shout out for feedback. As you know, the show is pretty new, and it's just growing, evolving, and your feedback is really important to me as I try and improve the show, make it 1% better. So please Get in touch with feedback, with questions that you may like me to put to guests in the future. Do you have a guest in mind that would be uh, really interesting to have on the show? Please let me know. Are there things that I could improve on? Are there things that are working? And are there things that are not working? Even more so important. I'd love to hear about it. I'm very open to feedback. So do please take a couple of minutes to get in touch. How can you do this? You can email me rob at robofthegreen.ie the comments section on the website go there that's www.robofthegreen.ie and there's a feedback page i'm on twitter the handle is at robofthegreen i'm on instagram robofthegreen facebook there's a page called robofthegreen and if you're in cork and see me out and about please feel free to give me feedback verbally ideally positive or constructive if it's 
of a violent or negative nature, either mental or physical, please refrain from from that. I don't think that would uh, would be good. But um, all the other stuff, I'm, I'm very open to. And the show is on iTunes and Stitcher, so it'd be great if you subscribe there so you'll constantly get updated episodes when I roll them out. So look, that's it. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great day and implement some of the learnings in your everyday lives. Thanks so much. Bye.